Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. I'm excited to get into the word today. Today we're going to be finishing out the last six weeks we've been in a series called Extravagant Worship. Has this been a good last month or so? Have you learned something and been challenged by God's word? And talk about extravagant worship in Essentially saying the only way to worship God appropriately is to worship him extravagantly. It's been an attack on casual, half-hearted Christianity that if we're going to worship God, we're going to go all in and we're going to worship him extravagantly. And we've defined extravagant worship like this. It should be on your notes. Hopefully you got your note page when you came in. It is a radical heart-level surrender in response to who God is in order to exhaust our lives for his glory. Today I want to read another account of Jesus coming into the holy city. Drew already read one for us this morning from Mark's gospel. I want to read from Matthew's gospel today. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 7. The scriptures record this. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowd went ahead of them and Those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Feel the worship, feel the praise, feel the adoration, feel the affection, feel the anticipation for Jesus. And coming into the city, verse number 10, Jesus entered Jerusalem. The whole city was stirred. Don't you love that? When he, just by his presence, the city is beginning to be stirred. And he asked, They ask, who's this? And the crowd answered, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Today, I want to finish our series on extravagant worship by talking around this idea, passionate praise, passionate praise. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the moments that we share around it. Lord, my prayer today is that you would do what I cannot do, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, I pray when we leave today, we wouldn't have just attended a service or heard a talk, but Lord, I pray we would hear from heaven. So Spirit, speak to us today in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, somebody say amen. 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 I love this story and what we're celebrating today at Palm Sunday, because this story just bleeds worship, doesn't it? Just bleeds praise. It, It bleeds affection. It's It's the cloaks being taken off and laid down for him. It's the branches being laid down. It's the shouts of praise. It's it's praise towards God. And so today I want to talk about what it means to praise God and how we are to praise God. From, From this theme and this idea, from Jesus entering the holy city of praise, about how we are to praise God, what it's to look like, kind of give us some teaching and instruction on what it means to praise. And in one sense, you might say, well, Pastor Nate, my whole life is praise to God. Anything I do in faith is praise. My whole life is worship. And on one hand, you'd be right. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, verse number one, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Then look, he says, this is your true and proper worship. So he's saying, hey, your whole life, offer your bodies, you are a living sacrifice. Put your life 
on the altar. Everything that you have is God's, and that is your true and proper worship. So in one, in one sense, anything you do by faith is worship. So, so it's not just you coming in here for an hour on Sunday to praise, but when you honor God and work as unto the Lord during the week, you're worshiping God. When you serve your family well, and when you love your spouse, and when you, when you um, share Christ with your coworkers, when you're light in the darkness, when you steward your finances well, when you have the mind of Christ, when you speak encouragement from anything you're doing in faith according to God's word is worship. It's an act of worship. It's an act of praise to God. So on one hand, everything we do in a general sense in faith is worship, but there's also some specific ways that God says, I want you to worship me like this. So we worship him in general with our lives, but God also says, hey, specifically, I need you to worship me in these areas. This is how I desire to be worshiped. Like, for example, for my wife, and if I'm gonna be a good husband and a loving husband, in everything I do, I should honor her and love her and cherish her in everything I do, right? So even when I'm not with her, in the way I talk and conduct myself, in the way I think, like all the time, 24-7, no breaks, in a very general sense, I need to love and cherish her with my life and my actions and my words and my thoughts. Are you with me? But how many know also there are some specific ways that she says, hey, this is how I feel loved. This is how I want you to love me. So I don't just want you to generically love me. I feel loved by two dozen roses, cream, white, and light pink. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to be going to Kroger after this. <laughs> right? Like, she's like, I, I should love her in everything I do, but also I need to love her very specifically. Like this, these things, these words, these actions, these acts of service, this way of talking, this way of managing our house, this way of parenting our son. This, right? There are some specific things where if I am to love her like she desires to be loved, I can't just generically love her. I've got to specifically love her how she desires to be loved for this relationship to be good. So it is with God, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, but God also has laid out some specific ways, here's how I want my people to worship me. Here's how I desire my people to pour their praise out towards me. So, so my goal today is to give us some practical teaching on what it means to praise, specifically when we gather as a church on Sundays and praise what we're doing and why we're doing it and how God calls us to worship. And I wanna pose a question to you before we get into the details this morning. And the question is this, when you think of praise and worship in a corporate setting like this, are your thoughts more based on a cultural experience of worship or a biblical explanation of worship? Because when we think about worship, all of us immediately think about some things. Like maybe you've been to a church or you grew up in a church where you just walked in the sanctuary and you didn't know it, but you knew it. You had to become the frozen chosen. <laughs> where it's like, this is how we worship. Don't you dare move. Don't you dare clap. Don't you dare stomp your foot. Don't you do it. Don't, right? And it's like, we're just all worshiping God in our heart and in our mind. And that's the way that we worship. Or maybe on the other extreme, maybe you've been to a Pentecostal church where as soon as worship started, everybody got a tambourine out and started running laps around the place. <laughs> and you say, oh my gosh, that's crazy. People do that. Like, if you don't know, it's okay. You don't know. But if you know, you know. Come on, somebody. <laughs> if you know, you know, right? Like, so so you, you might think of different expressions or environments of worship 
and, and anything in between those. And I, I'm not knocking any of those. I'm not here to criticize any of those. But I'm saying there's different cultures and different backgrounds and different expressions of worship. And, and my question for you is not, is not what what cultural expression of worship do you come from or because because all that's good and all that's valuable but but today I want to teach on what does the Bible instruct that how we worship regardless of where we are and regardless of what background we might have and regardless of what environment we're in God has laid out some specifics here's how I desire you to worship me here's how I want to be worshiped so my goal in teaching this today is not to pressure pack the environment for you to perform a certain way because I've been in like church environments and you have two where it's like you know they like to like try to force stuff and me I'm kind of like a some some sort of a, like a challenger at heart sometimes so sometimes when people say things it just you know like when when the person's like all right everybody lift your hands do it right now everybody lift your hands I'm like well now I don't want to lift my hands <laughs> Anybody like that? Like, or do this or do that? And it's like, well, I was going to, uh, but now I don't want to. So, so my goal is to not make a pressure-packed environment where I'm like, this is what you're to do, do it. And, but, but my goal is to challenge you with God's word. Here, here's how God's word lays out that he desires to be praised. Here's how specifically God desires his people to express their praise and their worship to him. So the first thing in your notes is this. Praise is expressive. Praise is expressive. Look at Psalm 35, verses 9 and 10. My soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Then look at this. My whole being will exclaim. My whole being who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them and the poor and the needy from those who rob them. Look, he's, he's praising and he's saying, all that I am, my entire being is crying out to the Lord, who is like you, God? So, so notice, he's not privately worshiping in his heart. With his whole being, he is exclaiming and proclaiming and expressing his worship to God. Worship and praise towards God has got to be expressed. I, I haven't found one example in the scripture that is applauded of somebody privately worshiping in their heart. <laughs> Every example of praise in the scripture is people expressing the praise that's in their heart. Now, it's got to start in your heart. It's got to start with a heart that loves and has affection towards God. But it moves from your heart to being expressed to God. Like, look, how many think if I just said to Anna, hey, for the next month, I'm going to privately love you so much in my heart. I'm going to love you more than I've ever loved you in the next 30 days, but it's all going to be in my heart. <laughs> how many know that wouldn't be good? She, she wouldn't feel loved. Like, how, how she feels loved, how I love her, how we have a good relationship, how I serve her, is, is I don't just love her in here, although I do, and it's got to start there. My love for her has got to work itself out and be expressed to her for her to get it. So, so it's not just something on the inside, it's good and it starts there, but praise to God, praise that God desires, praise that honors God, is praise that is expressed. It is praise that is shown. It is praise that is demonstrated. It is praise that starts inside of us and works its way out towards God. 
Every example of worship in the scriptures that's commended, every great example of faith that Jesus committed is, is praise and faith that is shown and expressed on the outside towards God. Praise is expressive. Specifically, how we express it, there's several things. I'm not gonna hit on all of them today, but I wanna give us a few specific things on how we express our praise. The first one is this. We praise with our singing. We praise with our singing. Psalm 95, verse one and two says this. Come, let us sing. Somebody say sing. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout. Somebody say shout. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So, so here's how the psalmist is worshiping in Psalm 95. By singing, by shouting, with music, and with song. Look at Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'm speaking praise to you. I am lifting up. I'm using the instrument of my vocal cords that God has given me to sing and verbally, audibly express my praise towards God. We are to praise God with our singing, with our voice, our audible, real, tangible voice in worship to God. Now look, this is going to be really encouraging to some of you this morning. Here's what it doesn't say. We'll, we'll praise God with good singing. <laughs> Come on, somebody, because this stops some of y'all. This stops some of y'all. Look, it, it doesn't say with good singing. It doesn't say with singing in, right in the harmonies and the melodies and right on tune or right. No, no, no. It doesn't say any of that. It says praise him with singing, with a joyful noise, with a shout. Like real practically, this is why we get together and sing and only a few people have microphones. That's why we do this. Only if you get a microphone, because only if you can sound good. That's why we have a sound system and speakers and production. Some of you are like, why is it so loud? It's so loud so we can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we set an environment so that we can sing, so that we can lift our voice. When, when the team is up here singing, it's not just a concert to be spectated upon and just, just tune in on. It's to be participated in. We are to lift our voice, to lift our song. That's why we put the lyrics here, so that we can know the words, so that we can express praise to God with our voice, lifting our voice to God. And it doesn't have to be good. Come on, somebody, be encouraged today. Make a joyful noise. Maybe you don't know the song, you don't know the beat. It's okay, you make a joyful noise. You just hum it out. Or, or you know, if you just want to mouth it and act like you're doing something, I've heard if you say watermelon, 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 it looks like you're singing. So you can just watermelon, 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 dear God, thank you. Has, has anybody ever seen that? There's certain words that make it look like you're singing always on, on pitch. So you can just fake out your neighbors and just sing, sing different words. You can hum, hmm, hmm, hmm. But, 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 but it's verbally, audibly expressing your voice to God is how God desires to be worshiped. Singing a song to him. 
It's always been a secret dream of mine as a pastor to like be able to sing and worship. Every single Sunday for my mic check with the production team back there, for my mic check, I sing a song. I sing hymns for my mic check. And I just wanna do it. I said, guys, today's my day. I'm gonna sing. We're talking about singing. I'm gonna worship the Lord. And they said, no, don't do that. The Holy Spirit would leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, so I'm not gonna do that to you today. But, but it, we, we've got to lift our voice in song to sing to God. There's something special about music. There's something special about song that God has created to connect with our soul, to connect with our spirit. Like across every tribe and nation and culture and people group, like people's heart and spirit connect with music. The style might be different and the sound might be different, but we connect with music. God created song and instrument and noise and chords and melodies and harmonies so our soul might connect with him and worship him through song. Like, like we know this, if, if you're trying to instruct a child and get them to learn stuff, like I love this in education, and they can't get something, what's a popular technique to get people to memorize something? Well, let's put it to a song, right? Like the ABCs. You cannot recite the ABCs without singing the song. You just have to sing the song, right? It's, it's like there's something about music and song that just sticks to the mind and connects with the heart and, and, and connects your spirit. And this is, this is the way God has said, I want to be worshiped in song. I want to be worshiped by, by praising with your voice, praising you with the vocal cords God has given us to express our love for, for him. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. With all wisdom through this, psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Singing, expressing worship to God in song. And I know some of, I, I, look, for some of you, I know this is challenging because you're like, I don't like singing. Singing's uncomfortable. I'm bad at it. I have terrible rhythm. Come on, like for some of you, you're like on the two and the four. Some of you on the one and three. Come on, yeah, one and three. You know, it's, and so it's like, hey, you're on the one and the three, you and the two and the four, like, like express it to God, sing it to God, praise it to God, lift it up to God. He desires that we sing and express our worship to him. That's how God wants to be praised. Are you with me this morning? The second thing is this, we praise God with our hands. Praise him with our singing, and we also, we praise him with our hands. God has given us our hands, not just to work, not just to produce, not just to function, but also to praise him, also to worship him. God has given us our hands as tools and instruments that they might worship him and express praise back to him. Here's a few ways we use our hands to worship God. The first one is this, we lift our hands to celebrate. We lift our hands to celebrate. Here's what Psalm 63 verse four says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, look at this, I'll lift up my hands. Notice it's a physical sign. This is not, I will lift up my hands in my heart. <laughs> Physically, I, I'm worshiping you and I'll lift up my hands to express my worship for you. Psalm 134 verse two, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. One way we express our worship and we celebrate what God has done is we lift the hands God has given us in the air. And this sign right here is a sign universally of celebration and of victory. This sign right here is a sign of victory. It's a sign of overcoming. It's a sign of celebration. And I hear specifically um, from men a lot of times, men 
tend to be less expressive in their worship. They tend to be less engaged in worship as a general thing in church. And I hear from men all the time um, about, you know, I don't, I don't think I need to lift my hands in worship. You know, I'm praising God in my heart. I'm praising God in my mind. I don't think I need to lift my hands. And, and I hear that. But the problem with that is that's not consistent. Because you leave here and you lift your hands. <laughs> you leave here and often inconsistently you lift your hands to celebrate a lot of stuff. Like I was thinking, especially this weekend on Masters weekend, I was thinking about Tiger Woods. And uh, I love this as a few years ago at the Masters. Uh, when Tiger Woods sinks a big putt, he, like, you either get the fist pump or you get the hands up in the air. And, and I love this picture. I was looking at this picture. Tiger is celebrating like he didn't have to be cued or asked or requested like, hey, man, good job, good job. Just, just show your excitement if you just lift both hands up real quick. Okay. Like, no, no, no. It went in, and the hands go up. And, and, but here's what's funny. I can understand Tiger making a putt and the hands going up because he's winning, and he just made a lot of money with that putt. But here's what's interesting. The tens of thousands of people behind him who get nothing for this, who actually paid a lot to see it, when Tiger does something good, the hands go up. In the millions of people around the world that are tuned in digitally see the putt go down and their hands go up. Like there, there is no employee at the golf course with cue cards waiting for the putt to go in and then hands up everyone. No, no. It is a reaction and response from everybody there to celebrate something victorious by lifting up their hands. It's, it's, it's a response from our innermost being to celebrate by putting our hands up. I was thinking about this. We just finished March Madness. I was just remembering the final full run of 2011 VCU. Lord, do it again. In Jesus' name, we receive it. It's been too long. I was thinking back, even like watching highlights and stuff from the final full run, and I loved like when the buzzer sounded against Kansas or when that last free throw went in or what. I love watching the bench and the cheerleaders and the fans and all of Richmond. Like I, when, when it happens, it's boom. It's like nobody's telling anyone to do this. It is a response from within to celebrate victory by putting your hands in the air. So people will do this by the thousands for all kinds of things in the world. And they get into the house of God. They're like, I don't know if I want to lift my hands in the house of God. And God is saying, his word is saying, I just gave you two examples from the Psalms, but all over the place, we enter the sanctuary and we lift our hands. Why? We're, we're doing it to declare the victory of Christ. We're saying, God, you are victorious. I'm lifting my hands. I'm lifting my voice. I'm singing to you because you are victorious. Like, I, yes, I'm going to do it for the God. Like, I'm going to do it for today. Today, I'm going to watch the masters after service, and it's going to be so great. And I'm going to lift my hands and clap, but I'm not going to do it there and not here. I'm, I'm going to lift my hands and celebrate God, I'm going to celebrate his victory. When I lift my hands in worship, I'm declaring my sins are forgiven. When I lift my hands in worship, I'm declaring that Jesus died and he rose from the grave and is victorious. When I lift my hands, I'm declaring nothing I'm facing in my life can stand against Christ. When I lift my hands in worship, I'm declaring I know he's coming back one day and he's going to make all wrong things right. He's going to wipe away every tear. I'm going to lift my hands to declare we have the victory. We have overcome. Christ is on the throne. He is the hope, Christ in me, the hope of glory. We win. 
So I'm going to lift my hands because I've got victory in Christ. I'm celebrating the goodness of God. This is great because even if you're struggling or even if you're in a tough season, you can come into the house of the Lord, you can come into the sanctuary, and you can lift your hands because you have victory in Christ no matter what's going on around you. We lift our hands to celebrate. The second reason we lift our hands is we lift our hands to surrender. Lift our hands to surrender. Psalm 141 verse 2 says this, May my prayer be set before you like incense. Then look at this. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Say, Lord, I'm lifting up my hands to sacrifice and surrender and bring my praise to you. 1 Timothy chapter two, this is for all the men in the house. Paul instructs Timothy on how to pastor and lead the men in his congregation. He says, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger. Is this good? Can you hear me? All right. <laughs> they wouldn't have heard that on the thing, so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where was I? I'm lifting my hands to, sur- to surrender, to surrender my will to God. This is not just the sign across every tribe and tongue and culture for victory. It's also the sign of surrender. Right? If you're in a battle with someone and someone is giving up, someone is waving the white flag, what do they do? They come out with hands lifted. I surrender. When you come out with hands lifted, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm giving up my will and my agenda here, and now I'm coming underneath yours. Like, I'm giving up my efforts, surrender to yours now. Putting your hands up is not just a sign of victory, it's also a sign of Surrender, it's a sign of humility, it's a sign of sacrifice, it's a sign of saying, God, I'm submitting my whole self to you. It's a physical posture of the posture of my heart that wants to give you everything that I am. So look, when we worship, when we sing songs, look, you can just, this isn't, you know, for the whole 25 minutes we're singing songs, have your hands up, your arms probably get tired, but throughout the time worship, you can just lift your hand to celebrate, lift your hand to surrender. Lift your hand to celebrate and surrender. And you just do that enough times for worship and you'll get a great shoulder workout. <laughs> you get a nice little workout when you come to church. You're walking around town, see somebody with big shoulders. You're like, hey, man, you go to Oasis? Yeah, you go to Oasis? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, 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 we're celebrating. We're surrendering. We're lifting our voice. We're lifting our hands. We're saying God is victorious. We're surrendering ourselves to him. This is... This is how God says, I want my people to worship me. I want my people to express their praise and express their love towards me. The third thing in your notes is this. We praise God continually. We praise God continually. Psalm 34 verse 1 says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. Look at this. This is powerful. At all times, his praise will always, somebody say always. always. It will always be on my lips. So when I'm having a great week, will I worship? Yeah. When I'm having a terrible week, will I worship? Yeah. When I'm healthy and whole, will I worship? Yeah. 
When I am sick in body and the reports are getting worse, will I worship? Yeah. When I'm seeing all the dreams and things I'm praying for come to life right in front of my eyes, will I worship? Yeah, yeah. When I'm seemingly getting farther and farther away from it and watching everything crash down around me, will I worship? Yeah, yeah. When I'm feeling on the mountaintop, will I worship? Yeah. When when, when I'm in the valley, will I worship? When I have more money than I know what to do with, will I worship? When I have not a dime to my name, will I worship? Yeah. Uh, Oh, continually, his praise will always be on my lips. All the time. Continual worship. See, if, if your praise and your worship is about you, then it might be up and down. But if it's about God, you can always worship. If it's about God, you can continually praise him. And because he is ever good and ever present, therefore he's always deserving of our praise and always deserving of our worship. There is not a time or a moment you will ever have where God will not be worthy of your praise. There's not a week you will ever walk in the house of God where God will not be worthy of your praise. There's not a season of your life that God will not be worthy of all the praise you can give him. If God never did one more thing, God did enough on the cross to always be worthy of all the praise we could give him. He will always be worthy. We, we praise him continually. We praise him consistently. We praise him constantly. Like, how often do I need to give my love to Anna for her to feel loved? Continually. Continually, I can't stack the next two weeks full of love for her and take a vacation from loving her. Like to praise her or to to serve her, love her, it's got to be continually. It's got to be consistent. It's got to always be in my life. And this, this concept of consistent worship is actually part of the weightiness and the tragedy of a Palm Sunday. Because Jesus is coming in to worship, and he's coming into palm branches being laid down, and he's coming into verbal, audible praise that very quickly turns into crucify him. <laughs> very quickly turns into, no, I didn't know, I didn't know him. You know, hey, weren't you with? No, I wasn't with. Like it's one thing to praise one time. It's another thing to praise continually. Say it like this. It's easy and convenient to praise once. It's more difficult to praise consistently. You could say it like this. Palm branches are light. Crosses are heavy. Palm branches are easy and light to lay down. Crosses are heavier to bear. And, And so we're not just worshiping on a Palm Sunday With Hosanna, we're worshiping as Jesus picks up the cross and we pick up our crosses and he goes to the tomb. It's it's continual worship. It's consistent worship. It It is always on my lips. I was thinking about worshiping and expressing our worship and singing and lifting our hands and clapping and all these different things we're talking about. I was thinking, why do people not do this? Like, what are the barriers or the reasons why people don't express their worship to God like this? I have a few that I was thinking about. The first one is maybe just the background you came from. Maybe it was more reserved or 
or maybe you weren't taught or explained biblically like this is, you know, these are things you do to express your worship to God. Maybe you just didn't know. And man, I'd like to encourage you and challenge you. So if you're a man or a woman in here, God created you to worship him. If you're young or you're old, man, woman, uh, you're created to worship him. And so if you're worshiping him the way he desires to be worshiped, you're becoming more of who you were created to be. So, so for you to become more of who you are created to be, it's got to involve you worshiping God like God desires to be worshiped. And so man, I challenge particularly the men in the house. The most manly, godly thing you can do is worship God in the house of God. Just come in here and sing with your low voice. Come on. Come in here and lift your hands to God in worship and lead your family in worship and lead this house in worship and be an example for others about what it looks like for men of God to worship God. So maybe it just was something you never thought of or you weren't taught in or you didn't know or you've never seen it modeled or you've never been in an environment where people were worshiping God like this. Or maybe you're worried about what other people are gonna think about you. Maybe you're worried like, man, if I sing, they'll hear me. And (laughs) man, if I lift my hands, I wonder what they're gonna think. I wonder what. And here's the thing. When we start to think and worry about what other people are thinking about us in our worship, it's a domino effect in the wrong direction. Because now you're not focused on God and worshiping God with all you have because you're thinking about them and what they're going to think about you. But here's the thing about them. They ain't thinking about you. They're thinking about what you think about them. And so they're not worshiping because they're scared of you. You're not worshiping because you're scared of them. And all of a sudden, you're modeling for everybody else to to not do it. And and now nobody's thinking about God and worshiping God. Everybody's thinking about each other and how it looks on the outside. As long as it looks good on the outside, we're good and just can get through this thing. Like it has a domino effect in the wrong direction as we think and are concerned about what other people are gonna think. But here's, here's the thing. If we, if we worship God like God desires to be worshiped, it can also have a domino effect in the right direction. Because as you begin to sing, the faith of your neighbor begins to grow and they begin to have the faith to lift their voice. And as you lift your hands and surrender to God and you, don't, you ain't worried about what they're thinking, you ain't worried about them, they all of a sudden realize, hey, nobody in here is here for each other. We're here for God. And so they're here for God and they're here for God. And so now I'm here for God. And so now I'm gonna, I can lift my hands and I can lift my voice and I can clap my hands and I can express my worship to God. And all of a sudden when the whole house of God and when all the people of God begin to focus on God and express their worship to God, it's contagious and you can't be in the environment without wanting to worship. Or maybe the last reason why I think people hesitate to worship is this. Maybe you just feel like a hypocrite. Maybe you just feel like a straight-up fake, fraud, hypocrite. Because you know there's areas of your life that aren't honoring to God right now, and you're struggling. And So maybe you come in here and you just think, man, who, who am I to lift my hands like all these other holy people. Let me just give you a little insight on everybody else here. None of us are perfect. None of us are righteous on our own. (laughs) If not for the grace of God, where would any of us be? We're we're all sinners saved by grace. There's a level playing field at the foot of the cross. (laughs) And so when you come in here and you hesitate because you feel unworthy, you feel like a hypocrite and you don't want to worship, I'm actually challenging you. That's more of a reason for you to worship. Because we don't worship because we're good. I'm going to lift my hands this week because I just had an awesome week. Didn't miss a day on my Bible reading plan this week, so I'm worshiping today. 
Two hands up today. <laughs> Last week, I missed a few days, so I'm going to just go one hand this week. It's like, no, no, no. No, we're not worshiping God because we got it all together. We're, we're worshiping God because he is good. He is one. We're surrendering. We're saying, God, we are, we, we are not good. You are good. So we're worshiping you. We need you. It's, it's a sign of humility. So you lifting your hands is, is acknowledging I don't have it all together. And God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I worship you. Final point is this. I want you to write this down. You will praise. Where will it go? You will. And I say this with great confidence. It has been put in your DNA to be a worshiper. You will worship. Those pictures I showed you at people at the golf course in the, in the basketball arena, that is an arena in a course full of worshipers. You will worship. You must worship. You will worship something or someone. And, and what the devil loves, because he knows we're worshipers, he loves to raise up and put up other things in our lives to have our worship directed at those things. If, if the enemy can get any part of our worship to be directed away from God towards something else, he'd love to do it. It can be a celebrity. It can be a sports team. It can be a dollar amount in the bank account. It could be the approval of someone else. It could be, it could be a dream or a goal or a profession. It could be anything, but you will worship. Something will get your affection. Something will get your devotion. Something will get your attention. Something will get your adoration. And, and so where will that go? What will that be aimed at and channeled towards? And I'm just challenging and pleading with our church to make the aim of your worship Christ. Make the aim of your worship Christ. Make it Jesus, Christ and Christ crucified, the good news of the gospel. Make that the target and aim of your worship. I shared this a few weeks ago, and I want to close with this psalm, Psalm 150, verse number 6. There's a super interesting theological concept here in the last psalm. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then for emphasis in the scripture, if something is said twice, back to back, it's not because, you know, there was a copy-paste error. It's not because, no, it's put twice for emphasis. It's put twice to make sure it's driven through what they're trying to say. So the psalm is ending by, by saying, let's everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Who's to praise the Lord? Well, if you've got breath, you're to praise the Lord. Where did our breath come from? Well, you can go back to Genesis in the beginning in creation when God spoke and God created man in his own image. God gave man his breath. God breathed into man. So, so the breath we now have and live and operate on is borrowed breath from heaven. Your breath is borrowed breath. And so the psalmist is saying, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. What is it? This is so special. This is so unique. This is so powerful. The breath that's being borrowed, God is declaring, let me have it back. 
like while you, this temporary life I've given you on earth, because we won't have our breath forever. One day God will take us home and this temporary body and breath we're breathing, it will not be forever. And God is saying, while you've got it, give me my breath back. While you've got it, use the borrowed breath to lift me up and to extol me and to praise and to worship me. So when we sing and when we lift our hands and when we clap and we worship, we're giving God his breath back. We're expressing our worship to God in such a way that God desires to be worshiped. Amen, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.